Welcome back to another episode of the After the Whistle podcast. Once again, it's me, Smiley, doing the hosting because KO is off doing KO stuff. Corey is not with us too for this one, but I'm joined by Crack and Van Gelder. Tell you guys also. Charlie, day inside. Monday, not a B, but I would drop. Joe. I say, Charlie, what's up? You don't make your elders go first. This guy don't pro. Freak a kid. Shake, I'm sorry. Anyways, we didn't say, Charlie, I'll go to our media. I'm overjoyed. Say, once again, the bottling service, they, they, are, they are back in business. So, they're like, they never left. Then be the vortex of them. <laughs> Nobody go to them. They're like, why everybody will come. But then they, so I didn't say, I'm happy. Ah, uh, yes. Speaking of our bottling service, it looks like right now the 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 title is done and dusted because Charlie, there's no turning back at this point. It's just too much. It's kind of like right now, yeah, it's just a matter of when, and the when it's very likely that it's going to happen this weekend, because as we all probably know, Arsenal were beaten heavily by Brighton, and Man City also won comfortably over the weekend. So Man City basically just need. They don't even need a win. If Arsenal don't beat Nottingham Forest over the weekend, it's done. If Man City gets, I think if Man City gets a point in their next game against Chelsea, it's done. So let me just start with Crack. I was hoping to get Corey on this one because ah. we didn't need an Arsenal. We didn't need an Arsenal side of things. But anyway, Crack, like, what's? Uh, I, I know this is obvious, but <laughs> are City about to do it this weekend? No, I don't think. I think they'll beat Nottingham. I think um, Arsenal, like, even though they are done and dusted, they are still young and they will still try to give their coach something to smile about. So I think they might go out and crack crack Nottingham this for uh, this weekend. But if them slack way Nottingham lash them, guys, the trolling will already be massive, but I think it will go to legendary level if they lose again or else. I think they already have the tag as bottlers and everything. So first, City needed six points. Right now, they need like, what, four points. If Arsenal lose this weekend, they need like, what, one point. So, Charlie, bro, this is basically done and dusted, but I don't think they'll win it this weekend. I'll be very shocked and surprised if Arsenal really just relinquish everything to Nottingham. Vangiora, since you are a Chelsea fan and somehow you have a say in where in when the title gets handed out. Ah boss, <laughs> don't bother yourself. <laughs> I tell the boys already, as in the good day the Sunday, just take oil, put your body. As you go there, make them just go open yash, make them just call you, then come out. Because there's no point in trying to play for it. There's no pride. Even if I clamp at himself, he doesn't have pride. So what's the point? Just go lose like two or three nil and come back home. Boko, so that we can all laugh at us now. Because these people were chatting anyhow. You've <clears throat> let the record reflect that it's almost 20 years since the last one the league, by the way. So yeah, 20 years. They were laughing at Liverpool. That 30 years that they were laughing at Liverpool or 35 years or whatever. They are they will also get there and they will all be here. I'm very, very, very happy with Man City and Pep Guardiola and all that they are doing. As now fans will say, and now we are 12, and now this, and now that. Yeah, Chelsea is having the, their worst season in like 30 years. But we all ended up with the same number of trophies. So here we are. What a happy day it is. I, I don't think Chelsea stands any chance against Man City. Man City will do it quick, very easy of probably painless death. 3-0 by first half. You know, we'll come second half, someone will show some small gragra like, oh, we want to play for some pride. There will be no pride. They'll win Sunday by 7pm. They'll be crowned EPL champions and then we'll all just move on with life. Hopefully, uh, they would, because they play Real Madrid tomorrow on Wednesday. If they win that game, they'll be overjoyed and they'll slap us. If they lose that game, they'll be angry and they'll slap us. So whatever happens, we are getting slapped on Sunday. And I'm, me, I don't mind it. It's the one time I'm getting beaten, I don't mind. Because uh, Arsenal won't win. And then it will be that Chelsea, once again, had a hand in preventing North London from having a trophy or the Premier League. Ah, what a delight. <laughs> nice. 
Okay, I understand why everybody like you guys over here will be happy about the title not going to Arsenal and everything, but we still need to address the city situation because it's getting a bit out of hand. Because once this one is confirmed, it means they would have won five out of the last six league titles. They've done a three-peat. Like, what are the chances that anybody can stop them? Because then they turn the league into some farmers' leagues more small. Where we just we just watch and make it happen. So, like, do you see anybody stopping City in the in the immediate future? We we cannot compete. We cannot. I mean, look, it's not Liverpool has shown that under extraordinary circumstances you can compete. Like you need the will. And you need a massive number of concentration and a massive like mental drive to win against Man City. You have to be on top of your game for every single match in the EPL. I think they are the only team that can decide to beat everyone in the division for like half the season. They are the only team, they have the resources, they have the players and they have the manager to do it. Yeah, maybe once in a while they'll get a hiccup here and there, they'll draw here, or they'll have an a, a, a odd defeat here and there. But if you go through, ever since Pep Guardiola started winning the league, I don't think there's there are more seasons where they've lost more than five games, for instance, in the season. More often than not, it's either two, three, four matches. The whole season, two, three, four matches, two, three, four matches, and then that's all. So, to compete against Man City requires that, one, Pep Guardiola leaves. And two, like you get the next Pep Guardiola. But as far as that terrorist is here and is having this robot of a team with that robot up front, I know we'll come to him, but hey, I, I genuinely struggle to see who can compete because every single team has some kind of notable defect, whether it's their keeper, whether it's a right back or whatever. Man City is the only team that even with their defects, their manager is just so far ahead of everyone else that he can come up with a strategy that masks that defect. Right? So me, I think it's going to be tough. Unless like they choose like, okay, maybe next season we are tired, we won't win the league. So maybe someone else should win. But if they decide that they want to win the league, it'll be tough for other teams to win it. That's a good point you're making because this thing about what if they decide that they want to win the league, I think that's how, for a lot of people, the first half of the season even feels. And that's why Arsenal were even comfortable enough to feel like they were coming to win the title. Because in the first half of the season, it didn't seem like City were interested too much in competing. It was like Pep was just testing a few things here and there. Oh, make a drop Ruben Diaz, make this guy play small. Make a drop Gundogan, make this guy play small. Like it, just, it was like he was just testing things while Arsenal were fighting for their lives. And then when things when like they decided to focus and start being serious that's when he just started winning non-stop and that's what has brought us to this situation but to crack Charlie, do you see anybody stopping this man's team um the only way is if they are hit with the rico charges by the fa <laughs> if finally <laughs> they decide to bring the criminal criminal charges to light <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of stopping them. Anyways, I've seen Fergie win five titles in seven years. This dominance city is dominating. It's cool and all, but we've seen it in the EPL before and it didn't make the EPL uh, Farmers League. Me, I am not really transcribing to the Farmers League agenda yet because all other league, you can even call the EPL, EPL Farmers League, but still, it will still be watched by everybody. It will still be entertaining for everybody. Once the attraction and the and the like is there, it's still a competitive league. With this city team, look, a genius meeting the war chest. It was always a recipe for success for them and a disaster for the rest of the league. Because that's a well-oiled team. But then again, in the upcoming season, we don't know what will happen. The season Liverpool won it, we, we actually thought City will win it. The season City won it, we thought Liverpool would win it because of how they won it. We thought the next season they were going to repeat it. So anything can happen, by injuries, because as we are saying, De Bruyne is getting older, Gundogan is getting older. But then again, this guy might have identified Milfrieders and he has gotten money to already buy them next summer. So Charlie, 
we don't know how it's going integration so a number of factors can happen injuries loss of form where you cannot pick up and everything but that mad concentration in the second round is something i've seen from only one team and that was feggy that mad concentration elite mentality we've been there before the experience the execution pep has it on lock his core team have it on lock the new players that have come will witness this winning and they will have it on lock as well we don't know whether he will lose some key players we don't know how it goes but this season Foden has been a non-factor but look at how Grealish stepped up last season Foden was one of their huge players but this season he wasn't another one steps in clean beginning of the season as you said De Bruyne wasn't really performing but he picked up at the right time and look at them now so as I said it's two things the Rico charges or injuries but Charlie you go take God so see even injuries cry I don't even think injuries is enough to stop this team like for instance, they've, like, they've lost KDB for almost the whole season before and still won the title. They so played KDB. without a striker and they still won. Yeah, but, like, but you know, see, oh, crack, make I just busy this question. Like, we were all here. We were all here. No, like, around this time last year, they announced that they've signed Julian Alvarez. Yeah. Then when, when the transfer was about to end, out of nowhere, no, they've gone to pull Manuel Akanji. And they signed him for like 18 million or something like that. Like, the level of scouting and, like, the level of structure in that club no, is very, very scary. And I'll be shocked. And the academy is doing very well. Like, I think last year, from, like, under 15 or something till men's team, they, they won, all of them, they won their leagues. In the past three years. In the past three years, eh? She, she say, the, the. If they get injuries, he'll go and bring somebody from the academy because he writes a binder from of how they should be coached from know, under 15. You know the crazy thing? <laughs> when we talk about Pepe and we talk about his money, we never really give him credit of his shrewd signings of these 20, 18 million players and things that fits right into the system. Have you guys studied that? That's very I mean, true. when he came up, That's he was doing true. the 50, 50, 50 million and we're saying that, oh, yeah, he had the most expensive backline, blah, blah, blah. Yes, although, yes, he had money to replace 50 with 50. But since then, <laughs> you can actually check the number of 50 million signings he has done. No more than, no more than twice in the past four seasons. Alan was on a free transfer, right? No, he wasn't free. It was he had a release. Clause. Wasn't free, but he had a release clause of like fifty-six million. Actually, the story is, uh, what what being former agents said, the one he died, no? yeah, Mino Rila yeah. tried to scam them of excess of like twelve million on yeah, that deal, and yeah, then when he died, they found out. Exactly. <laughs> so the thing is that City City didn't really pay the release clause of fifty-six million for Haaland. Most of the money from the deal went to his bonuses and whatever they had to give him. You understand? So, for a player like Haaland, if another team was going to buy him, the transfer fee alone would be like 150 million. By the timing and everything for City, they got him at the perfect time and gave him huge money. We don't fucking care about the pay because everybody too, they overpay some nonsense. But they, they are overpaying people that worth it. So, would you even say overpay for what this boy has done? So, I wouldn't even call it overpay. They have the flexibility and money to do all of this, but the ability to identify 18, 20, 25 million, 12 million players that fit in and play well is something that, like, look, we should actually give them praise for. Because when a structure is there, you identify and the scouting and everything is working, it's easy for you to come and transition and slot in. Look at Emmerich Laporte. He's not getting playing time. There was, a, there was a stretch in the season where it was a Kanji and Aki. And it was, no, it was no Laporte and it was no uh, uh, Diaz. You understand? Then you can even move Ake to the left back. Like, this guy's flexibility, like, Pep is good. No doubt about it. Pep is really, really good. And he's the catalyst of all of this. But I know what I'm about to say. People might call it bias and all of that. But look, if Ten Hag is able to get a good owner with money, he can do something. I'm sorry, but I, I disagree. 
okay. I disagree. I, I, that's what I mean. I've said my own, but I'm saying that. Yeah. And the Smiley thing understands is, what I'm saying with that. <sighs> if Ten Hag gets money to spend, he can do something. I didn't. Say the reason next, why I, I disagree next, is I that I didn't say next season Ten Hag was going to win the league. He's here for a long while. Oh no if problem. He, my... money, he can do something. Why we yeah, saw we saw club. We the struggle the struggle I have with what you are saying is that we've all seen the guys that this guy has gone for in terms of like let's not underestimate how important talent ID is also a is like plays a role in this. How Pep Guardiola trust me, when Pep wanted to sign, like if he really, really wanted to sign uh, you can't kind of say this guy that went to United instead from Arsenal, Alexis Sanchez. Pretty sure he had a specific way he saw this guy fitting in. We've seen some of the signings that, or some of the people that Eric Ten Hag have has tried to sign. And the truth is that it's it's. I struggle to see, like sometimes. Okay, let me let me give you. Let me give Please please do. You see what you're saying there. I am not saying that some of the signings he has signed has been questionable. Though. But trust me, do you remember when Pep brought Nolito and Co? Do you remember them now? <laughs> In his first season, how many of the signings were hit? No, think about it. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes you come to a new league, you have this idea, you think that, oh, this is going to work your way. You get smacked in the mouth, and you go like, hmm. You learn. But one thing Pep had over everybody is them bringing the uh, football directors, uh, what, no, uh, the football, this one from uh, Tixi and the other guy from yeah. Barcelona. Pep said before City, he agreed that City, they needed, he needed those guys. Those, those guys, guys weren't they there from Pellegrini's time, Seth? Didn't no, they no, bring no, them no, in no, like no. two years before? No, they weren't there from Pellegrini. Go and check. Before, say, I bet they agreed with Pep a year before he came home. Remember when he was in a sabbatical and this guy went to talk to him and all, and he was like, oh, um, he's thinking about it, uh, Feggy and all, do you get it? After that, they signed him before, so he was watching Man City games. Yeah, I forgot he went to watch Man City versus um, uh, uh, um, Barcelona at the Camp Nou. He was already the City coach by then. You understand? So he already studied and he identified that, look, I need these people to be in. You need to get them and everything. So, Charlie, so, so, then, so, then, so. But even himself, when he came in, with his first season. Oh. You see, in his first season, go and check Pep signing in his first season. In his second season, said, when he signed 50 million, he didn't work. He replaced with 50 million. Sometimes, that's what I'm saying, that Pep is a genius, is good. But he was built out with a war chest. I'm not saying Ten Hag's talent ID is 100% too. But right now, he's the, he has a record at United that, He's the first coach in his first season as a Man United, just, uh, uh, um, Man United manager to win more matches than anybody. You understand? Even though it looks like we are struggling this season, oh, two finals, one trophy, almost securing top four in our state and everything, with our injuries and everything. I'm only saying that if he has a better director, because Fletcher and since they are the ones that are over there. If you have a proper structure and money, we can do something. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying next year. It will take time. But I saw club also beat City to the title. You understand? So it can be done. So that's all I'm saying. Anyway, moving on. Um, just one. Just wanted to, for the sake of a cheeky did join in the year that Mancini failed to win or whatever in 2012 October 2012. Two years, two whole years. Before Pep Guardiola came, and if I remember, 2012, if it's 2012, then it's actually four years. I you see, 2012, then it's four years. Yeah, you see, and the reason why I remember this is because I remember that when Pep was coming, I read an article where they said that everything that Manchester City, like Manchester City, pre-planned like two or three years ahead before Pep came, they've got a manager that played a style that they saw was similar. To Pep Guardiola, so they could sign players similar to the way Pep wanted to play, and that was when after Mancini won, they sacked him, and then they brought Pellegrini. Pellegrini was there for like two and a half years. After Pellegrini, then they were like, okay, now we are ready to bring Pep Guardiola in. 
And it was very easy because the cheeky guy was already somebody that Pep knew. Yeah, so then I got it wrong with the way around that. They rather plot for Pep. Yes, they plotted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they were the reason why Pep chose Man City because... Exactly, because I think at that time, Chelsea also wanted him in that in that summer we we, we we i think that was when we also got conti and we wanted pep but the difference between our our project and manchester project that it was almost like manchester had plotted the project the perfect environment for pep look what that guy does in that club is just absolutely ridiculous i don't know like i'll recommend anybody who has not watched it to watch the uh, amazon or is it amazon I forget the 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 prime documentary they do no they're all or nothing, the Man City one the one that they they recorded, the 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 second season of Pep Guardiola, that's where you see how they work like Chiki and all those people they sit down they discuss and how they sign players and how they think about everything, bro see that club is the epitome and don't forget to their whole football group now with you know, smaller clubs and other things. This guy is writing for the managers. It's like he's giving the managers in the under 16, under 18, under 20, under 20. He's giving them lectures. He sends them bundles of tactical information about how to train the young players, how to prepare them so that when they are coming into the first team, they already know how the first team plays and there's like maybe the only difference is probably because Pep Guardiola is Pep Guardiola and the way his mind moves is different from everybody but he makes sure that the binders is followed to the T that club is just too well run for anybody with any haphazard way of management to try to think they can pep them to uh, to, to pep them to like a league title it will be very very difficult like everything must that, that can go wrong for City has to go wrong and everything that must go right for you has to go right for you to win the league. Well, moving the conversation on from well-run clubs to clubs on the other end of the spectrum, Chelsea seem to have found their their perfect manager in Mauricio Pochettino. It seems like it's all but confirmed right now. We're just waiting for everything to just be finalized and announced officially but it looks like Poch is the one that they're going for he's the one who has passed their very intense managerial search that apparently Julian Nagelsmann wasn't even good enough for like apparently Todd Bowley did his homework well he did all his research for and this is the person who decided to go with Van Gelder this one is for you because I particularly remember on our last piece when we were talking about Chelsea's managerial search and who could be in the mix, who they were good for. I remember saying that Poch is the one who I see as being a good fit for Chelsea. And you said, nah, they are not going for Poch because he's an ex-Tottenham manager and the rivalry between Chelsea and Tottenham will play a factor and it will be a play a role in, the, in their selection and blah, blah, blah. Like Todd Bowley, you know, they see yourself. So how do you feel about this appointment, first of all? Well... Let's premise it on the fact that at the time, the the two candidates that was widely reported that they were looking at was Nailsman and Luis Enrique. Poch had not yet entered the free. And it was based on that I said, well, if I look at the people they are looking at now, I don't think Poch is the one they'll go for. However, after looking at everything and how it has all played out, all the managers on the scene right now and what we need as a club, I think Poch is probably the best manager we can go for right now from the point of view that one we need to trim our squad he has experience in doing that actually when he entered tottenham he inherited andrevia's brass's mess where they also had i think about 31 or 32 players and he was able to trim that squad down with outgoings and you know one or two signings here and there to to, to the squad number that he wanted and the people the number of people that he wanted to work with mainly young players and then a few bits of, of experience here and there. Chelsea's, Chelsea's current squad is very is in a very similar shape. I would say even the dif- the only difference is that the quality of players we have is probably even higher than what Spurs had when he first walked into Spurs. So I don't have a problem with, with Mauricio Pochettino. If he was being compared to those three, then maybe I'd I'd say okay maybe let's go with Enrique or 
probably Nagos, man. But then again, if you read all the reports and you look at everything, it seems like the reason why they didn't go for Nagos, man, was when they did the due diligence, the reports that they got back from Bayern and the people in Bayern wasn't all that positive. It was in and the athletic even reports that in some instances it was actually even negative, like for Nagos, man. And they don't want to have somebody who is so brash, who is not willing to collaborate. And look, when they say collaborate, everybody keeps saying, oh, they want a yes man. They want a yes man. Every coach in this world, if collaboration makes you a yes man, then every coach in this world is a yes man. Because, yes, a club will sign players that you want. But at the end of the day, the overall vision of the club and how the club moves is on the behest of the owners. What you are doing and how you are moving the club forward and everything you are doing must tie in to what the owners are doing. So if you doing or you working together with the owners or your or the whatever club structure that is available to you means that you are a yes man, then every coach in the world is a yes man. What they, what they want is somebody who doesn't automatically shut down their ideas just because you, the okay, nah, you think that Oh, you are not a football person, so shut up. Don't suggest anything. That's not what they want. They want somebody who can work within the structure that they've put together. Somebody that they can you know, have bounce ideas of. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's PR. But like recently, news is coming out. Like, the reason why they also like Poch is because, you know, he interviewed them as much as they interviewed him. And he was not shy to. I'm pretty sure it's PR because Matt Lord, dear, I me, mean, I don't trust him like that. But he's still a tier one source. So and he still has very good sources in Chelsea. But at the end of the day, apparently they don't want somebody that will just brush off ideas that come to them. But somebody that can at least even digest and point out why they think whatever ideas is coming to them is a wrong idea. And in that, and in that regard, they believe that they found their man in Pochettino. Now, this exhaustive process, I think the owners are learning. I think they're learning because they left almost 85 to 90% of that of the work to the two sporting directors that they've handled. That's Paul Stanley and Laurie Stewart. They headed this entire operation. Todboli and Berak Bali only had one or two meetings with Pochettino to clarify certain things in the contract and that was it. All the interviews and everything that happened was headed by Lawrence Stewart and Bedardek Bali. They are actually, apparently, there's news that Todboli even wants probably to promote one of the two so that one would be like the boss of the other so that there will still be another buffer between them and the coach. So at least, like, in this regard, there will be like two buffers between the coach and the, and the ownership group. If all Chelsea needs right now is stability, just have a stable environment if we are selling players sell the players you have to sell and leave the coach the chance to work on the training pitch i think the fact that there are no international tournaments this summer bodes very well because then if we start pieces in say july 1 up until july 16th when we leave for america they will have time to work on the training pitch they'll have time to do all their conditioning and strength and whatever and then they can begin to work on the tactical aspects of things. So, personally, I'm comfortable with the with the appointment. Do I think we need, like, Mauricio Pochettino lead us to the Premier League title? I don't know. I'm not sure. And I have maintained that we are, at, we are still, like, two managers away. So, one manager to help us trim and build, and another manager who is, like, ruthless and, able, and is, like, a crazy winner who has won, like, 20 trophies to come and take over from wherever this uh, builder has has done and then lead us to to win trophies from there. We may win some FA Cup or some Carabao or some Europa League or something with Poch because, you know, it's Chelsea. But, yeah, I don't know if Poch is the guy to lead us, for instance. What's your expectation if, for Poch next season? My expectation is pretty simple. If he's able to get one of the two domestic trophies and make Champions League football, I'm comfortable. So I'll, I'll one, consider that. So, one, top four and one trophy. Next season will be actually top five next season because from next season, fifth place also plays Champions League. So, yeah, is top that, five. Is that a guarantee? I don't think it's a guarantee. It's just one of those technicalities. Yeah, but it's not actually a guarantee. So, but, it was, I mean, Champions League. Top four. Okay, let's just Champions say League. top four and then one 
domestic trophy FA Cup Kaba I'm comfortable yeah okay that is all thank you well me I'll just say quickly that um as I said on the speech the other time, I thought Poch might be a good fit for Chelsea just because of a few things that Vangelda has already mentioned. I think he's good with trimming down squads. I think he's good with young players. I think he's good in building a team from scratch because there are managers who they are good when they, they if they if they cook their team put down with a manager can take over, he'll be good at them. But he might not actually be good as building that same team to the to a certain level. So I think Poch is a builder. So I think that's also a good thing for Chelsea. And I wouldn't I wouldn't rate him too much based on his PSG time because I keep saying this thing all the time that I wouldn't judge any manager by their time as PSG because PSG doesn't give you a, a fair picture of what a manager is and what he can do because they are they are in a in a, in a world of their own. They are managing. A very very unique situation that is very difficult for anybody at all to survive in so as a manager if you do well at psg i know really go watch them like that if you don't do well too i know go watch them like that because it just be uh, uh it just it's just an unusual situation it's a crazy you. place yeah because yeah, yeah. we saw what thomas tuko went and did there immediately he left he came and won the champions league Unai Emery, even though he too also underwhelmed a bit over there, we all know that he's still a good manager. Like, it's not a place to judge managers by. So, if you judge Poch according to what he did at PSG, you're not being fair to him. But obviously, the obvious question marks will still be there because we don't know how well he, how how much of a winner he is outside of that PSG situation. We don't know how much he's been damaged by what he faced over there. There are a few question marks, but still, I think Poch is probably... I think of all the managers that Chelsea were after, I think he might be the safest choice. That's I, just how I see it. I, I agree. I, 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 I really agree. And I think that a lot of our young players will, will begin to flourish and improve, you know, because, to be fair, players like Mason Mount, um, someone like even Kai Havertz, uh, Maybe the only player that kind of has kind of improved and he improved last season was was Rich James, but his injury problems is, is a bit of a, a a struggle. But a lot of the young players at Chelsea have badly stagnated and they have not benefited at all from the poor coaching that we've had and you know since September. So I'm expecting at least that there'll be improvements in the in the young players. You know, they will get opportunities to play. They will, they will be helped, you know, because I was actually watching like an interview he did about high performance or something. He was talking about how he, what he did at Tottenham and everything. And I mean, his ideas are pretty simple, but I reckon that it's not enough to just say, I, I'm looking forward to see what he does on the training page, how he handles the players. Because Tottenham might be easy going, you know, everything, but you are walking into. Let's not forget, he's still working into a dressing room where there are players who have won the Champions League and the Club World Cup. They would have some level of ego. They will have some level of show me what you can really do. There's actually there are actually two World Cup winners as well in there. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he can manage all those kind of people and how he can bring all of them along. You know, the old players, the new players. Those that were signed last year that have like people like Sterling and others who are actually used to winning and want to see you know the club moving forward. People like experience at Thiago Silva and then the new players like Modric, Madweke, you know Enzo Fernandez and all those people. I'm looking forward to see. I'll be watching a lot of Chelsea clips in the in the summer because I really want to see what he's doing on the training page and how he's going to you know deal with all these mishmash of players and characters that he's he's going to be given. Yeah, and just again on that one, um, I like how you mentioned Mason Mount and all those other guys because as Tottenham to Poch had like a core of young British players who he managed to groom quite well. He had um, Deli Ali, he had Egdaya who was quite good under him, he had Hurricane, he had um, Danny Rose, he, and um, there was there's one more who was quite decent under him but yeah he has experience 
working with young British players, which is something that not a lot of managers are willing to do because some of us we know say English British players they don't want to get question mark. But <laughs> you know, right, but right now again, as I said, it's currently again a silly season for for the for the press. So people are like, oh, Pochettino has already told them in negotiations how he wants to build a core of English players. I don't think that's true. But again, that'd be what then they talk. You like friends and Mason Mount. You might not think that's true till you see it. But anyways. I don't yeah. have a problem. I think that some of the Chelsea has some of the best young English players. At least I, Rhys James is there. Yeah, Chilwell is not bad. Yeah, Chilwell. <laughs> you know, he's a decent. That's the thing about having a bad manager because suddenly you think that all your players are bad, then for change the whole team. But there exactly. are players who, if under the rights manager, they can do something. That's why for me, I've never even written off people like Kukurella and the rest yet. Oh me, Mark. Oh Mark Kuku, dear, me the Nam dig like that. I'm pretty at the end of the. I think what will happen is we'll keep Kukurella, we'll keep, you know, when we do this, keep loan selling. I'll I'll say what I have to say. We will, we probably will sell Ian Matson, which is kind of sad because he was he has been a brilliant left back for Mason Company's Burnley, and he's had that's not the only loan that he has played that he has excelled at, right? But what happens to players like Levi Colwell, you know, brilliant at Brighton, has long term contracts at Chelsea. The apparently the top hierarchy see him as top talent, and they want him to be integrated by hook or crook. Hi. Yeah, continue, continue. Yeah, you know by hook or crook, you know he has to he has to be played and and all of that. How does he work with all of that? How does he clear out uh, the people that he needs to clear out? Does he mean people like Trevor Chaloba are sent out on loan or are sold? Um, you know, well, I think this will be Thiago Silva's last season. Like, I mean, next season will be his last season. I think as he signed the contract in February, he'll stay, even though reports are that he's going to Brazil. He's come out to rubbish those reports. So hopefully we see him skit up again for us next season and that'll probably be the last season that he plays for us. You know, Wesley Fofana, some of our players are good, like really, really good. Fofana is actually really, really good, but his injury record is not the greatest. Colwell is also really, really good. Also has not the greatest of injury records. Who does he bring in? You know, because players like Kovacic will be sold. I'm, I've been told, or like, from all the news. You've been told. Hey, calm niggas down, get calm inside down. sources. And calm down. I've been calm told. down. <laughs> but he, he won't left. Uh, Kovacic, you know, he won't left, right? He wants to leave. He doesn't believe the project, and that's fine. Spent four or five years. He won the Champions League. Won everything that is to win in Europe and in like club or cup and everything. So it's fair. In any case, this is he's been quite poor as well. So if we can get some thirty-five million for for him, we've recouped our money and even made profit. You want thirty-five million for who? Kovacic. You are, you are joking. Anything above eight million is net profit. So I don't care whatever ah, okay, we sell him for. That's cool. Then better keep <laughs> yeah. sixty million or something. Well, we will see. You, <laughs> you know, there are so many things, and I am quite excited to see what the summer brings. I want to see who is going to be sold, who will you know be you've been, You know, you've been speaking like forty-five minutes for Chelsea, right? Pardon? <laughs> you know that you not allow anybody talk. You talk, uh, go around, talk. Uh, it be your smiley, team. Smiley talk, it be your team. Talk, uh, can't you it be your make, team. Can't you just make your point? I make my point in plenty. I'm excited. You can, open, you, can open, you can open in the space and continue. Anyway. Sorry, sir. Smiley. Me, I honestly wanted these people to get the Enrique they were phoning over. Then the team vexed me. What do they think they saw in Enrique? Who do they think Enrique is? I really wanted them to get Enrique. I really, really wanted them to get Enrique. And so if they smacked around and they'll see that, yeah, they can't do the job of a team owner. Because me, all these people trying to do like, Oh, Porsche is decent among the three. I would have preferred, yeah, Van Gelder and a couple of people among the three. I would have preferred Enrique and all those. Let me tell you something whatever you do, Premier League experience counts. There is a reason why Mourinho's second coming, he still came and won a title as Chelsea in the second season. Was it his first or second season? Uh, the second, are you asking when he won? Coming. Yeah, in second coming. Yeah, in second coming. The first, the first. Uh, season in his second coming, he didn't win. We came third. That was when he said we are a little horse. 
So then second, we signed season, two players won, right? and then we won. Fabric, Fabregas. Yeah, second season he signed Fabregas and Costa Thank and then we won. And cause he knows the terrain and he knows English football. He came to United and still finished second with the Manchester United team behind the Monster City. So that's the Premier League counts. All we've said about Pochettino. Right now, you need somebody who can sell players, build a base. And challenge yes pochettino is all of that as as smiley said if we are not judging by um psg then also we shouldn't judge his trophies as psg as well so it's coming clean i don't have high expectations for him i still think he'll do a good job but my haterness i want him to fail because it's chelsea i don't give a fuck about chelsea i want him to fail and i want him to fail badly you understand but with regards to him coming to the EPL, amongst all the coaches mentioned, he was the better option. Because Enrique would need time. Nigglesman, after his, um, his debacle at Bayern Munich, I mean, he was still sacked unfairly to me. But still, he wasn't ready for another quick transition to a big club. I don't think so. I personally don't think so. So yes, with this Pochettino... He will transition well with the young players. You already have signed tons of players that you also have to be forced to work with and a, and a whole lot of things. So I'm just hoping that I'm just hoping that you, the fans, will afford him the time you didn't give any other coach. Because you will need a lot of patience to deal with Pochettino. Do you understand that next season might not be the season you challenge for? Any major trophy? Chelsea fans, so no, they said, oh, we are ready. Yes, it's a rebuilding, whatever, whatever. And when they realized that the going got tough and they switched to their old ways and that what their former owner taught them, will it be the same thing with Porsche? We wait to see. But you've spoken well, glowingly well, with optimism and everything. But what I don't agree with you is you would have preferred Enrique. That... <laughs> Enrique winning with already cooked Barca is not something you can judge him by. And I never judge him by that. I also don't judge uh, um, coaches with their national team duties. I don't rate that as well. But based on his club performance, aside Barca, having MSN, he hasn't really done anything from Roma and anything. He hasn't really done anything. You understand? So me, all this, I would have preferred him. It was, it was, it was bullshit talk. They got the best man amongst them. And my hater, the me hater and me, I want him to feel bad. So, yeah. Okay, so before we move on for, uh, to other leagues and stuff, I just wanted to ask, now we know that Southampton have been confirmed as the first team to be relegated this season. And just a quick one. If you had a choice to pick any two players from the Southampton team, which two would you pick? Van Gerda, let me start with you. It's very tough. It's really, really, really tough because Charlie, I don't know. Maybe they are goalkeeper and they are centre back. But then again, we have we are like overloaded in centre back. So maybe Bazoon or whatever in the goalkeeper no. Mm. I think it's a really good goalkeeper for a twenty-one year old or whatever his age is. Um Apart from him, I don't know. I mean, other people will say Romeo Lavia, but I don't think he's what Chelsea needs at the moment. No. Between him, for instance, him, Casado, Ugarte, I'd rather the, the, you know, the former than the latter, the, the latter than the former. So probably their goalkeeper, Bazuno, because I think he's a really good goalkeeper for his age. Big, strong, commands his box really well. Good reflexes. Pass it, like, very good with his feet as well. So, yeah, probably just their goalkeeper, Bazunu. Crack. Um, I would have taken the Rastaman defender. What's his name? Uh, Belakocha, right? Yeah, yeah Belakocha. Yeah, Very yeah, good defender. I would Belakocha and Lavia. Because Lavia, I see huge potential in him. That boy is good on the ball. He's calm. He's strong as well. So, me, those are the two I'll go for. Belakocha and Lavia. You guys know be patriotic. Uh, your two Ghana man, your two Ghana men did at Steven's side. You know, go we'll pick Salisu the or see, Suleiman. The problem is, you see, 
Chelsea already has an abundance. Like, we have Nkuku coming in next season as well. Don't forget that. So, if I see the front line we get for Chelsea, I, 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 I struggle take Chale, guy, no, Kamadi. They are not good. That's all. They are not good. <laughs> I mean, come on, I, I don't want to. I don't want to write off Kamal Dean, for instance. I think Ayi too is quite good, and he's not playing because of politics at the moment. What we named the defender, Salisu. Somebody will snatch him up. Probably somebody like I don't know. Somebody yeah, who stays up. They are made for the mid. I mean, I understand Chelsea is a mid-table team right now, so they will go for any of these mid-table talents. But now nah, they are not good. You know, they are opportunities yeah, no good. Mm, I, well, I, I mean, mid-table talents. Because I, I don't know about Luke Shaw, Luke Shaw as a left back, I am not taking Salisu over him. And, uh, and this guy, this guy running no meter. You mean look, running, left centre back or left back? Runner. I said left centre back. As a left centre back, I am not taking Salisu ahead of himself. And I'm telling you, playing. And this guy too, running no meter, road runner, just runs anyhow with the ball. Still plays <laughs> like he's playing coast football. This is what he was doing in France. He's not good enough, bro. None of them are good enough. No picture is the matter. So the two people I've mentioned, they are the ones I would have taken. So let me let me just say that what Crack just said does not reflect the views of the After the Whistle podcast. Because if one day we want me to come on as guests, we didn't come here this thing. Your man, they talk. That be why I said let's not write them off. They are still very young players. All they need is the the right environment to. To succeed, and unfortunately, they didn't get that as Southampton. You know, last season when Salisu had a good coach as Southampton, he flourished, and then this year, apparently, according because of contracts, anyway, talks and things, they no one player. Kamal didn't to say, If they will come on, if they just invest the one, we go take give and make it listen. Not this one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, moving on to the next topic. The Champions League is happening this week again. Um, I think on the Italian side, that game is probably done and dusted because I don't see AC Milan coming back from that one unless any of you think that there's a chance of a comeback in the second leg. Nah, they were, I, I, they were surprisingly and shockingly poor. I was quite disappointed. But then again, this terrible Grand Potter Chelsea slapped them home and away, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, but for a Milan derby in a Champions League semi-final, you, I don't think anybody expected it to go the way it did. Everybody was expecting a tight game that would probably finish like 1-0, 1-1, like a very close game, but that wasn't the case at all. So I think on that end, there's not really much to talk about. But the big one, City versus Real Madrid as the Etihad. It's still very, very... Um, well poised to give us an exciting second leg because it's even though City did well to get a good draw at the Benabal, it, we are it's Real Madrid we are talking about. Anything can happen, so it's still far from over. So, what are you expecting from that game? Let me start with Kak. Like, any predictions? How are you expecting the game to go? What What do you see happening in that game? Yes, yeah, so. I mean, we quickly brush aside the AC Milan one, eh? and without without their best player, they didn't, they never stood a chance. But I was surprised the quick goals um, came in with from Mkhitaryan and um, Jeko. old cargoes. We didn't know they still had it, and they've done it. But yeah, with the with the City um, um, Real Madrid, I really didn't watch it that day because ECG ECG fucked me up. So I was following a lot of tweets and a lot of this one and. I think our resident, this one from Ghana, Yaudabo, told us what is <laughs> <laughs> what is not on a game where the Real Madrid were robbed. And I, <laughs> according to him, he doesn't fear Haaland because Rudiger did a good job on Haaland. I'm talking about Rudiger, bro. I saw some of the videos. This guy is a phone player. <laughs> this guy. I think I think that that might be the only way to uh, defend Haaland. By roughing him up and trying to be an idiot, I think that would be the only way because people think because he's strong and everything. I mean, he, yes, he's strong. He's he has pace and he'll bully and all. But this guy brought a new dimension to defending Ireland. But Real Madrid are a team that look twenty minutes. You can t- you might think they are off, and in the next five minutes they just string passes together and concentration power and they just take the lead like they did in this team. 
you can dominate the position and everything but they have this continuity amongst them they have this understanding because of playing together for a long time which makes them very 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 dangerous by me i still think city will win at the etihad coming back with a 1-0 lead would have been bad but 1-1 it's still fair game but i still think city might smack them at the etihad but because i came and watched extended highlights of it and i realized that look they got away with some couple of um decisions and which is very rare for you to see against real madrid at uh, um, the Bernabeu. but city city benefited from some so yeah but i didn't really watch the match entirely to just give my opinion on it but city was my pick so let's see how it goes Vangura. I have to agree with Crack on this one. Musty is my pick as well. I, it just, I don't know if you can taste it. It's just in the air. It just feels like this is their year. But then Real Madrid is also that team that likes to pour Gary in everybody, uh, sand in everybody's Gary. So they can just come around and just, they will destroy everything for everyone. But if I were to pick who would win this tie, Charlie, I have to go with Pep Guardiola's Man City. And I don't really got there. Cocaine. I'm pretty sure that guy's name is Cocaine before he plays a game. I'm pretty sure. Because them say Haaland gets some very nasty behavior. Or the tambo play. Them say he the fat and the defenders. So say they're not going to come in, buddy. But Rudiger's head was right under his armpit and things. You know, I mean, what, what manner of defending is that? Right. But if you... <laughs> You take away that that useless bounce that is going on there. Real Madrid has the pedigree. They don't panic. You know, I think Manchester will probably be used to teams where you score two and then the other teams are panicking. Real Madrid score them two first half crowd. They don't panic. Because we saw what they did against Liverpool. Losing two near half time. Come back in and win 5-2 or whatever. So, it will be very, very, very tough. It will be a very tough game. I, I, it will probably be like a one 0 or a two one. I don't think there'll be a lot of goals in this, in this, in this game. But saying that, I probably, I've probably jinxed it, and then someone will just go and win like three 0 or four one or something. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's it's a very difficult game to call because, again, the Madrid factor is just something that I I struggle to discount. So I'm also going for a very tight. A very tight game, probably going to end two. I'm probably going to give it like a two-one or something, but it's going to be very tight. But the two-one, I can't tell who it will be in favor for. All I know is it will be two-one. Whether Man City will win two-one or Madrid will win two-one, it's left for the gods to to decide. But before we end this episode, I just wanted to mention how Syria. There's still a chance that. All three European competitions might go to Syria the way things are standing right now. Because I know you guys will say the Champions League, whoever wins from the Madrid and Man City side is probably going to win it, which is like 90% likely. But in the end, there's going to be a Syria team in the final. In the Europa 2, you have Juventus and um, Roma standing a good chance of making it to the final, to make it an all-Italian final, actually. So... And then on the Europa Conference League side too, you have Fiorentina who are still probably the second strongest team in the tournaments left. Even though they lost the first leg, it's still not it's still far from over. So I think it's quite interesting that in this modern day and age, when Syria was supposedly in decline, they might very well have three teams in three teams winning all the European competitions. So, does anyone have anything to say about that? Boss, they'll win one because Jose Moreno's Roma will win Europa. I don't think Inter will beat Man City or Real Madrid. Whoever wins that tie will win the Champions League. And I also think West Ham versus Fiorentina, even though it's a close call, I I will go West Ham. I think West Ham has the tools. They they can they can beat uh, Fiorentina and win the, the Conference League so that they can play Europa next year. But that's, you know, properly qualifying. But yeah, I, I think the only team I can, like, take my heart off and say, okay, this is the team I will envision to win the European 
competition is Jose Mourinho's Roma. And look, Sevilla will probably could because that goal that Juventus got, <laughs> bro, it wasn't even a corner in the first place. But you that's besides <laughs> the point. Then go pay money for Europe too. This when would they learn? Be cool. Crack. Um I think Syria has a better chance of winning. I think sorry, I think Ekufaro has a better chance of convincing Ghanaians that we are not suffering than Syria having all three European titles going their way. Because it's impossible. It's virtually impossible. All they are gonna win is the Europa. And that one said I know people still have soft spot for Marino and we all want the Roma team to win. But it won't be as cut dry like last year's um, conference league final where we knew that oh, Roma was with, winning at all costs. But this one too, anything happened, but I see them winning. And with the Champions League, oh bro, anybody that wins the City versus Madrid, this one is winning it. Like, it's not, you know, I watched that one, I watched the AC Milan Inter match. I watched all the match. And look, these, these, they are not, like, the only team that would have maybe made a noise was Napoli. And Napoli lost. And that's how sometimes these cup competitions go. You understand? So sometimes it's not always the dangerous teams that make it out. But there are levels to this shit. They are not beating Real Madrid or, or, or City in the finals. None. Neither Inter nor uh, AC Milan is beating their So their best chance is winning the Europa. And the second best chance is the conference final because West Ham is not as if West Ham is between well in Europa but they are giving me the Fulham the Fulham vibe. They'll go all the way and get there and still lose the final. So anything can happen as well but I don't think they are winning all three at best two. Anyway, we've come to the end of this episode. I just um, want to I just want to say that apparently the Clarice wants three hundred thousand pounds a week and as not willing as not willing to pay he, he and them all in the mud. <laughs> anyway we've come to the end of this episode um first of all let me just say if you haven't done this already please um subscribe to our podcast on all the different podcast uh, platforms any podcast platform that you use we are there apple podcast spotify deezer google podcast amazon everywhere we did it and then also please follow our social media handles on twitter and instagram is atw podcast gcr on TikTok, it's After the Whistle. On YouTube, After the Whistle Podcast. And yeah, please just whenever you see our post on the different podcast uh, plus on the different social media platforms, feel free to comment, give us feedback, whether positive or negative, because that's how we improve. We we accept any feedback at all that you want to give us. If you want to insult Crack, we did for you. If you want to insult Van Gelder, we did for you. If you want to insult me, keep your thing to yourself. So, anyway, um, do you hear the name crack? Try and sort me see. <laughs> and also, shout out to um, the Gold Coast Reports. They are a hosting network. They have all the other podcasts that you might be interested in. Um, Sincerely, Accra, Sex and Sanity, Free Your Free Mind. Your mind yeah. Free Your Mind actually has One Love on it as a co-host now. So, Charlie, if you're a fan of One Love, Look for the Free Your Mind podcast. They'll have something for you. And yeah, I think that's about it. So Charlie, guys, thank you for joining us on this one. And also, yeah, let me just give a shout out to Jehu. He's a, he's a, one of our long-time listeners. He's, I think he's probably the, the, that's the longest. That's my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> yeah, I think he's probably our longest lasting listener. He's the one that I knew. And his his account is a logged account, mom. So most of you haven't seen it before. But yeah, shout out to you. Yeah, and he's a pharmacist, abortion pills and all. <laughs> Actually, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. So again, Charlie, guys, thank you for joining us on this one, and we'll catch you again next week. And as we always say, ATW dominates the conversation. Neymar, Busquets. Se va al ataque de nuevo el futuro campeón de liga. Messi dejando el balón para Neymar. Atención ahí fuera del juego. Balón para Luis Suárez. Gol. ¡Gol! 
Va a golpear Cristiano. Se espatarra el bicho. Va a golpear con la derecha. Chuta Cristiano. Gol. Costa turns out the final. Hazard. Won the title for Leicester City tonight. Irving and Curry one on one. Irving puts it up. It's good. Kyrie Irving for. 